All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. How's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Uh, for those of you who are watching online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium this morning, would you please stand up, greet one another, say hello, say good morning as we prepare to worship our great podcast. Yep. 
so glad that you're here today. Welcome to Crossroads. Aren't God great? Amen. I'll tell you what, he's even greater when the sun's shining, huh? You guys are excited out there. It's 80 degrees and you're having fun. We thank God. Let's thank God again for what he's doing in the church. God is moving in great ways. Today I'd like to welcome you to Crossroads. If, uh, if this is your first time here, I want to encourage you to please stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you, and we'd just like to say thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. So our Welcome Center is located in the foyer as you're going out this main door just to the right. We'd love to uh, stop and have you uh, meet you and, and just say welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, also, you're going to notice there's, uh, uh, there's Connect cards in front of you in the seat. They're the blue cards. I'm going to encourage you to take those out. And if you have a prayer request, if you have any communication at all that you'd like to communicate with us, please fill that out, put it in there, and put it in the box on the back. We have our offering boxes are located in the back wall here in the auditorium and also one in the foyer. Uh, You can place that in there or you can hand it to the Welcome Center. We'll be sure to follow up with you on any communication, any anything. Maybe you're saying, man, I'd like to get baptized. You just mark that on there. Hey, I'd like to find out how I can connect with a group. I'd like to find out how I can connect better at Crossroads. Uh, just go and fill all those out. Put your prayer request on there. We're praying over your prayer request, and we're trying to follow up and help people on their journey here at Crossroads. So we want to encourage you in that journey. Uh, so just use that that uh, that connect card as well there. Uh, today, after the, after the 11 o'clock service, we're thrilled we have our Next Steps class, and we're, we're so thankful that we're able to do this today. We've got about six or seven new families that are going to be joining us here, and uh, let's thank God for that, folks. God just continues to grow the church, right? God is continuing to grow the church, and so great things are happening. I want to encourage you along that way. If you'd like to come back for that class, we'll be meeting downstairs in the Canopy Kids room, and that'll be right uh, after the second service, about 12 15 to 12:30ish, right in that area. All right, so we'll be here right after the service uh, today. Next Sunday, we're going to be honoring our graduates. So, if you have a graduate, if you have somebody that's graduating high school, uh, please let us know. Go to the church website, and you'll see a place on there where you can put their information in, so we can honor them next week. We'd like to put their picture up. I'd like to ask them to be here with us, and we're just going to have a good time honoring our graduates next week from high school and also college. If you know somebody that's graduated from college, a number of, our, uh, a number of people are starting to graduate. All the graduations are happening. So as uh, we'd like to celebrate with them before they begin their season of all their parties and all their fun times that they're going to be having. And then uh, you'll also notice that next week there's a class for the Canopy Kids that will uh, be doing uh, after church. They're going to be having a baptism class. So if for kids that are interested in baptism, uh, they're going to be teaching them what believer's baptism means, what it means to follow the Lord in baptism. So I want to encourage you, if your kids are, uh, if you think your kid may be ready for that, as if they have trusted Christ as their Savior and they're ready to make that now an outward sign of an inward decision, have them attend that class and you can ask more of Chrissy downstairs and she'll give you more information on that. And on baptism, I'd like to encourage there are many adults in our church that are ready to be baptized. You've come to Christ. You've started this relationship with Jesus. And so we'd like to follow up with you. And if you say, man, I'm ready to get baptized, I'd like to do that. What we do we, for baptism, we, we do this at the end of our service typically. And uh, there's, a, there's a baptismal right behind me between the opening and the wall there. And we will, uh, we will baptize you and uh, the congregation will witness it. And it'll be just a wonderful, wonderful time. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And again, if you're ready to get baptized, take that card out. Even 
even if you're not ready. Let's do it anyhow, okay? It's, you're never going to be ready. I, I'll tell you what. It's like me, you know, Monday mornings is the restart of your life, right? Well, I restart every Monday because I'm never ready, okay? So it's like you just got to keep going. So you, uh, I want to encourage you. If it's time to get baptized, let's do it and let's see what God will do. Amen? So God is doing great things. And then Wednesday night, our men's group will be meeting here. I want to encourage you, men, come on out. We have uh, our, uh, we're continuing our series, 33 the series, while the uh, children's ministry and women's uh, study will be taking a short recess here. We are going to be continuing on with the men's group. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of a study, and we just want to continue to finish that. So I want to encourage you, men, come on out to uh, this Wednesday night, 6.30. We'll be here from 6.30 to about 8 o'clock, and we just have a grand time. I want to encourage you to be here. And uh, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of relationships that are forming. So guys, come on out. Uh, we meet here in the auditorium. We have about four groups together here, and it's a wonderful time. So I want to encourage all the men to come on out for that. And then you'll notice our car cruises are starting starting up on May the 31st. That's on Tuesdays from 5 to 9. We open up the church parking lot to the community, and we tell all the guys with classic cars to come on up. And uh, all the folks in the community with these classic cars come up, and they hang out here. Last night a guy came in. He goes, hey, nice to meet you. He goes, but I really like the car show. I was like... What are you saying about my sermon? Anyhow, all right? So anyhow, he was like, I really enjoy the car show. So he's been coming, and that's how he's been connecting. And that was his opportunity to come in through the church. And isn't that wonderful, folks? So God is doing great things. And uh, as we do that, of course, we've got our gymnasium now. It's now air-conditioned. Yes, can we thank God for that? Yes. This is, you don't understand. After 40 years of sweating to death in there. Uh, anyhow, I'll just let that go. That's just history, right? When we have events now, it's air conditioned. We had, an, uh, we had a funeral lunch in there this week. It was wonderful. The air conditioning was on. I mean, it felt like you were in here. It was just wonderful. And uh, part of that, they're going to be using that every Tuesday. You can go in and get your snacks. So if you want to go in and hang out in the air conditioned like me, that's where I hang out until it gets a little cooler out, all right? So anyhow, let's just thank God for the air conditioning, man. There's something to be thankful for. Yeah, God is doing good things, you know? I. I just can't tell you how thankful I am. I, I, a lot of people, there were a number of people that were here hadn't seen the renovations over there, and they were like, in awe. they're like, wow. I mean, it, you know, so anyhow, let's move forward. All right, God is good. God is good. God's been moving, and He's doing great things. I want to say thank you for your giving to Crossroads, giving to the Lord here at the church. And as you give, you're making a difference. God is using your, your tithes and your offerings for His honor and glory, and people's lives are being changed. Uh, up here on the hill, people are coming to Christ, uh, not only on the hill, but in your, in your lives, in your workplace, all week long, God is using you to bring people unto himself. So I want to encourage you this morning, as you give to the Lord, to uh, give with a, with a generous heart, to give with a, a, a cheerful heart. The scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver, so he's, we're called to be cheerful as we give. So we give it unto him because he's the one who's given to us, all right? So let's stand together as we pray and continue to sing this morning to the Lord. Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. God, you're moving in ways that only you can get the glory. There's so many things that you're doing that we see, and there's many more things that you're doing that we don't see. 
So God, I ask now that you'll put your hand uh, of, of greatness, your hand of power upon this place. Lord, may the Spirit of God flow in a mighty way here today. Lord, as we continue to sing, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit will just move in each person's heart. Draw us unto you as we sing unto you. Lord, as we open your word, may the Spirit of God flow in this place in a powerful way. Lord, we ask for your presence here in a, in a way that only glorifies you, in a way that just will minister and change our life, God. God, I thank you for the great things that you are doing. I thank you for the, the work that has begun in the, in the hearts of people here, Lord. For those that are coming in, we thank you, Lord, for the, for the new members class today, for the Next Steps 101, Lord, as we, as we help people get their foundation and get their start uh, into the next step of growth in, in, in knowing you and, and knowing what's going on in the church and how they can plug in. God, I pray you'll use that time today, Lord. Use our people, Lord, as, uh, as we give to you, as we sing to you, as we worship you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
have for us, and we uh, just thank you for everyone here, um, and we just pray that our hearts will be open um, to the message today, and we love you, Lord. Amen. His name was Frank, and Frank was diagnosed with hypertension. Back then, they barely understood what all that meant. But uh, in 1937, at the age of 54, his blood pressure was 162 over 98. Uh, The doctors didn't really offer him much because they didn't really understand the depth of all that in those days. In 1940, this man's blood pressure went up to 188 over 88. Still no treatment was offered Frank uh, continued to deal with this, and in 1941, his blood pressure went up to 188 over 105. At that point, the doctors told him to cut back on work, and he tried, but it still didn't improve his condition very much. Four years later, his blood pressure went up to 260 over 145. Uh, a few months later, in April, on April 12, 1945, he complained of a severe headache, and, uh, and his blood pressure went up to 300 over 190. Later that day, he lost consciousness and died. You're familiar with Frank. His name is known to you as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He was the 32nd president of the United States. And as you uh, begin to understand what was going on in his body, the things were happening in his body that nobody else understood outside of him. Like there were pressures, there were things that were changing all over him that nobody understood. And uh, in that day, as much as, uh, as we're thankful for medicine of the day, they, didn't, they hadn't quite figured out the blood pressure, the importance of how, how to deal with this whole hypertension thing. And so um, today, you know, I'm thankful for the advances in medicine, aren't you? We have a, a lot of medical advances, but there's still a lot of things they still haven't figured out either. And the bottom line I want to get at here is this, is that uh, there was a lot of things that were happening inside of him that he didn't understand and things that were happening inside of him that nobody around him could understand. 
And I want to encourage you because as a follower of Christ, there are things that are happening inside of you that you don't necessarily understand. There's things that are happening and, uh, inside of you that the world has no clue about. There's stress, there's pressures, there's things that are causing damage to you that you have no clue about and that the world around you especially has no clue about. As a follower of Christ, we're living in this world that just doesn't understand. But I want to remind you that we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what our whole series has been about, is being transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into the image of His ever-increasing glory, uh, which comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. We're, transform- we're being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And as this, as this transformation happens, notice the word is being transformed. You are being transformed. God is making us into his image. If you go back and you read the verses before this in 2 Corinthians there, he talked about the illustration of Moses. He said that Moses, when he had met with God, the glory of God radiated off him so much that people asked him to put a veil over. It was like, man, there was a, uh, like, hey, hold this back. Uh, And as they got close to God, as they began to see the image of God, the glory of God, there was a veil. He says that as you read the Old Testament, you read uh, the, the Old Testament law, the Old Testament is like a veil over the glory of God. God is there, the glory of God is there, but there's a veil over it with the law. And he says that now you are being transformed into the glory of God, into the image of his ever-increasing glory. So there's no veil. God's got you going to work, and you are becoming, you are being transformed into the image and the likeness of God. The word there again for transformed is metamorpho. Uh, meta. Morpho. When you hear that word, you think of metamorphosis, right? You hear that term, uh, uh, metamorphosis. You think of that, that term of change, right? Well, it comes from the, the words meta, meaning change after being with. And I love that. Change after being with. Boy, that's what happens to us. We are changed after we have been with Christ. Changed after being with. Morpho meaning change, changing form and keeping within a reality. So here we are. We are being transformed. We are, God is making us after we've been with him. The more that we're with him, the more he continues to transform us, and we become into the likeness, into the image of his ever-increasing glory. And I want you to consider nature itself. Nature itself has a lot of things. Uh, when you think of metamorphosis, we talked about the butterfly a few weeks ago. I want you to think with me today about metamorphic rock. I mean, when you think of a rock, you don't think of a rock changing, you know? I think of a rock, I think of something that's solid, something that will always be there. But I want you to think about metamorphic rock. Metamorphic rock is, uh, are these rocks that are buried well below the, the crust of the earth. Not just in the soil that you would see in your backyard, but as you go down deeper and deeper beyond where you would ever want to dig, you would find that, uh, that there are these rocks that, uh, that face a lot of pressure and face a lot of heat. These things have, uh, through the years, have, have come up through the movement of the earth's plates and through the crust moving and, and the, the different volcanoes through the years. From the, from the flood of Noah that, that flipped everything around, man, we have all these rocks that have been down under that have been under intense pressure, intense heat, and and they are transforming. One of those metamorphic rock is limestone, 
When it becomes transformed under the heat and the pressure, it turns into marble. Uh, the calcite in the limestone uh, recrystallizes over time with continued pressure. It becomes marble. And you're so happy when you get that new countertop, you know? You go out and you pick out that countertop and, you know, like, wow, you want the marble one. You want the granite one. Why? Because it has taken forever to make. It is under this extreme, intense pressure. I wrote down, yeah, there's a lot of heat and pressure to make marble, especially on your husband to buy it, right? That's the extreme heat and pressure. you got to tell him why that you should have this. For some of you, it's extreme pressure on your wife why she should have it, right? Like, this is what I want. And as you go through this, think about that limestone. Now, I've got limestone in my, gra- in my gravel driveway, 2B limestone. You can buy that stuff dirt cheap. You take that limestone and you bury it miles beneath the earth and you put it under all this pressure. You put it under intense pressure for years on top of years on top of years. And then they go mine it out and they'll sell you, sell you this beautiful countertop. And man, it, it's wonderful. Uh, the, the next one is, uh, is from, from graphite. You know, graphite is a, a pretty soft material. You know, we have these pencils here, number two pencils. You use graphite in a pencil. But if you take, the, uh, you take that graphite and you put it buried down beneath the surface of the earth, I believe it's like 100 miles down beneath the surface of the earth. And through the years, they work their way up. And, and through the years, we go mine them, we get these things. But imagine this, that that graphite turns into a diamond. Now, these diamonds are, you know, these diamonds are wonderful. You go out and you pay top dollar for a diamond, right? Uh, all those diamonds, they, they come up. And, but it's over the intense pressure, over the intense heat and pressure that is buried beneath, way beneath the surface. And all of a sudden, that pencil, that graphite in your pencil, is now a diamond. Oh, man, uh, today's diamonds are the most sought-after gemstone, aren't they? Everybody wants a diamond. At least your wife does, right? Your girlfriend wants a diamond. I remember in 1947, De Beers had an advertising campaign. They are the ones who got this started. Look here at this picture here of the the advertisement here from 1947. Isn't that cool how they advertised back then, you know? There's a magazine article that says, A diamond is forever. And you hear that statement today. And, you know, a diamond is forever because they're, they're, they're the hardest known surface. You know, when I, when I was doing some towel work in my house, they told me to get a diamond tip blade. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I could afford a diamond tip blade. And you go out and you get that diamond tip blade, and it cuts better than anything you've ever had. I mean, you just, you gotta learn how to keep the thing sharp, but man, it's great. It, it goes through anything. Diamond tip blade. A diamond is forever. It's hard, and it's gonna outlast your lifetime, likely. I know that I have, uh, in my, in my house, my mom has, has passed on some jewelry from her mother. It came from her mother. It was her diamonds. And she said, here, maybe Rhonda would want it. I was like, well, you don't have to ask my wife a second time for a diamond. You know, it doesn't matter what style it is. It's a diamond, right? And so she's got it. And, and man, that outlasted my, grandma, my great-grandmother. Or, yeah, somebody. It outlasted whoever's it was. And now it's in our possession. It's long after us. A diamond is forever. I like this next ad. This was pretty cool. Check this out. How can you make two months' salary last forever? 
The diamond engagement ring. Oh, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I remember those days. I remember saving up. I remember the heat and intense pressure on me to get the thing. I just remember all of that, right? But listen, as you go through that, remember the, uh, the, the, the diamond, man. It's so powerful, so, so precious. But yet it started out as graphite, this very soft material that you can write here, and then you can erase it. You go right with a diamond. Over in Jeremiah 17, it talks about God writing with a diamond. And when God writes with a diamond, he's saying, man, this is a permanent message. You know, if I came out to your car and wrote welcome on the side of your car with a diamond, you'd never come back to this church again. That's just all there is to it, right? Um, but that diamond will cut through anything, man. It, it's solid. It's tough. But it was through intense pressure. It's under the intense pressure. In Exodus 28, we see diamonds, sapphire, emerald, rubies. We see these, these, we see all of these, these, uh, precious gems, these precious stones, metamorphic stones that have gone through extreme pressure, extreme heat to be made over the time. And, the, and now God says, I want you to put them on the, on the ephod, on the, the breastplate of the priest outfit. And when you see this, like, wow, God's showing us some symbolism here. Like, there's something to the pressure, and pressure is an important part of our life, but yet it's the, mo- it's the part of our life that we run from the most. Over in Romans chapter 5, I want to show you what pressure, how God uses pressure here. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, this is so powerful. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith. I love that. When you see the word justified, just think this, just as if I've never sinned. God has justified you. Um, he didn't, you know, he, he, he has made you, declared you righteous. He did not take out the full punishment upon you. The full punishment went upon Jesus on the cross. And he says, you have been justified. Therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, this is why, we, why we're here. This is what we celebrate through whom we also have access by faith and His grace, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. So we rejoice in this hope of glory. We know that one day we have eternal life coming. We cannot wait for that day. Man, one day we will step into out of time into eternity, and it will be a glorious moment, and there, will be, there we will be forevermore with the Lord. This week we uh, had a sad moment here. Our uh, friend Ross Haney, who had been part of this church for many, many years, went home to be with the Lord. But I'll tell you what, when we were here celebrating his life, we were reveling in the hope of glory. And it's not, I think so, I hope so. It is the hope. It is we know the hope of glory is coming. We will one day have eternal life. We'll be in his presence. And many times, this is where we stop. But look what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul takes it a step further. He says, not only do we revel in the hope of glory, he says, not only that, verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, wait a minute. That's not how I like to live. I like the heaven part. I like the street of gold. I like God is powerful. The Apostle Paul says, yeah, those are all true. But not only that, we also glory in tribulations. Uh, that word tribulations can better, be transfer, uh, can better be translated as 
pressure. Some translations use the word suffering. Some translations use problems and trials, affliction, distress. This is, the, this is the total component of the word. And so as you're looking at this word, we also glory in our trials, in our tribulations, under pressure, we glory. And listen, that is not the natural way that we like to go. We kind of run from pressure. We kind of run from, from all of these things. But he says, listen, I want you to glory. We also glory in the tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. It produces endurance. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to be able to go the long haul. Listen, between now and the time you do meet Christ in eternity, there's a period of time. And and listen, he says that those tribulations, they produce this in your life. Endurance, so that you can get to that point. They produce character. And character produces that hope. Oh, man, this is so powerful. I want you to catch this in your notes this morning. Um, that God uses pressure to transform us. Would you say that with me? God uses pressure to transform us. And as you look in life and you see the, the suffering, you see the trials, you see the, the pressure that you've undergone, most of the time we, we, we act as though we have the plague, as if there's something wrong with us. In the meantime, God is taking you from a number two graphite to a diamond. You know, nobody came up to their fiancé whenever they got engaged and said, Will you marry me? Wear this number two pencil around your neck. Why? Why? Because this doesn't symbolize the hard, the lasting, the time of a lifetime. That diamond, when they came up with that diamond, you saw the intense pressure. Which, by the way, what a telltale sign of the rest of your life, huh? Man, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a very good way. Yeah, like, it is hard. Like, man, life will be hard. There's so many things that you have no clue of the rest of your life. And that's what God does for us. He comes to us. And you're saying, you know what? I really enjoy my life as graphite number two pencil. I I am so, I just really love this because, you know what, I can write and then you can even erase. And I make lots of mistakes, so it's okay. And God says, you know what I'm trying to do in your life? I'm trying to turn you into a diamond. And you are so upset because of the pressure that it takes, because of the heat that it takes, because of all this, this uncomfort. And look what he continues here on verse 5. In verse 5, he says that we know that hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We glory in our tribulation. We know that he produces character and the character produces hope. All these things happen in our life. And so therefore we glory. He doesn't say we glory because of our tribulation. He says, we glory in our tribulation. The Apostle Paul wasn't insane. He says that we are glorying in it. In this moment of tribulation, I come and I glory to God. C.S. Lewis said it real clear. He said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. But he shouts in our pain. And I 
really don't like the pain. But in those moments of pain, you can seem to hear him louder than any other time. Whenever you're in moments of pain, you tend to call and ask others for prayer. Have you ever noticed that? But when things are good, when it's moments of pleasure, do you ever ask anybody to pray for you? Hey, things are going really good. Would you pray for me today? But man, when things go down, boy, you get on the phone and you make some calls. And you rally the troops around you. Uh, God speaks to us all the time. But in our pain, it is loud. It's like it's screaming. It's blaring. And so God, God uses pain. There's a special place for pain. Listen, you can ignore pleasures, but you cannot ignore pain. And when those pains come into your life, those are the moments for God to work. And this is quite often God is using this pressure to transform you into what he is trying to transform you into. Into that diamond. Uh, suffering plants the flag of truth within the heart of a rebel. I want you to think about that. that you, you come and you have your heart, you're going through life. It's suffering plants, the, the trials and suffering, the pressure, it plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel heart. It's like when man landed on the moon. Man, we put the flag out there, right? Well, whenever you have suffering and you're going through trials, listen, remember, you're going through Trials. There is light on the other side of the trials. You're going through the trials. Suffering plants the flag of truth. And when we get the flag of truth of who God is, man, you know what? Many people uh, will often say, man, it was in a time of pain and suffering that I turned to God. It's an exaggeration to say that no one finds God unless suffering comes into their life. But it's not a very big exaggeration. When pain and suffering come upon us, we finally see not only that we're not in control, but that we were never in control. And so that's what happens. The flag of truth comes in and it plants it in there. And now we can say like the Apostle Paul, hope does not disappoint. God has given us hope. Man, and that hope, look how he says, man, not only do we rejoice in the hope of glory, but now we rejoice in our tribulations because that tribulation is producing a new hope. There's hope that is being changed. We are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. So what does that do for us? Well, trials. Trials are tough to deal with. Trials are not punishment, but they are the, the, the God working into, into your life. As you face pressure and trials, the second point in your notes this morning I'd like to draw your attention to is this, is that God is in control. You know, when you're going through this time of pressure, when you're going through this, this deep moment of pain, when you're under this, this oh man, you, it's just so intense and you're ready to, ready to lose your mind, I want to, I want to remind you that God is in control. And if you will take that and live by that, remember that nothing happens to the child of God that, the, that, that God himself did not grant permission or know is going on. Uh, you go through the book of Job, you'll see Job, he was, uh, he was the child of God and he comes before God. And as he comes before God, uh, you know, he's, he's loving the Lord, he's growing in God. But then the enemy comes and says, you know what, <laughs> I don't think he really does love God. And he comes before God and says, I'm, I'm going to, I want to test him. I, I, I want to trip him up, see if that's really real. And God says, okay, go ahead. But I know my servant Job loves me. I know his heart. 
And so God works in our life. And through, as you're going through the trials, you're going through the, through the persistent over and over. And sometimes, it, sometimes our trials feel like winter in Pittsburgh, doesn't it? It just never ends. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just droning. And, you know, and then finally you get to the light and you're like, wow. And it's only three months of sunshine. And then it goes right back down under the clouds. But you know what? That's what God is using in your life. You see, Joseph went through that in his life. You go read the book of Genesis, read about Joseph. And at the end of his life, he says, man, what they intended for evil, God intended for good. So there's things that are happening in your life don't make sense. Remember, God didn't tell that person over there to do evil to you. But what he does do is he has the ability to take that person who did evil and turn that evil into something beautiful into your life. See, only God can do that. I don't have the power to do that. Only God can do that. You don't have the power to do that. Um, Romans 8:28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good. Let's read it together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Man, you love the Lord? You're a follower of Christ? You're called according to his purpose? You're seeing his purpose develop in your life? God says this, we know. The Apostle Paul's telling it real loud and clear. And the Apostle Paul dealt with all kind of problems, all kind of pain, all kind of pressure. And he says, we know that all this works together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for your trials. And I want you to remember that today. That's number three in your notes. God has a purpose, God's purpose for your trials. And I'm just going to give you a few of them because there, I think there's a lot of them. But there's a few purposes that God allows trials to come into your life. Like, could God guard us and put us in a bubble and never let anything happen to you? He could do that. But He's not chosen to do that. He didn't choose to do that to His own Son. His own son went to the cross and died on the cross and paid for your sin, paid for my sin so that we might have eternal life. It was the most horrific thing that we've ever seen. And God said, listen, I want you to be my child. I want you to be conformed into my image. And so as God's doing that, listen to the purpose of his trials. Number one, they're to conform us to the image of his son. Trials and pressure conform us to the image of his son. Man, you're saying, man, I don't like this. I don't like this. But God is saying, listen, I've allowed things into your life, and I'm going to show you who I am in the end. But listen, I am transforming you into my image. The very next verse, Romans 8:29, says this. says that those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Ephesians tells us, Romans tells us, that before the foundations of the world, God said, I know my children. I know them by name. And he says this, he takes it a step further. He says, I want them to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. 
So when we have these trials, he just said, Romans 8, 28, that you've all known, you've memorized that verse. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We have all memorized that. That's been on a card somewhere. You've seen it on a meme. But now, verse 29, the very next verse says, he is using everything to conform you to the image of his son, that we might be the that Jesus, he, might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, as God's conformed you, we're in the family of God, the only begotten Son of God, and then we're the family of God, the brothers and sisters of Jesus. Amen? Like when you think of that, wow, that's what the verse says there, that he might be the firstborn among many of us. And so we're followers of Christ. Secondly, uh, the trials and pressure, they draw us closer to himself. When you go through a hardship, when you go through suffering, when you go through this drama and trauma of life, man, you can run from Him or you can run to Him. And God's desire is that you come closer to Him. As you go through the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see this happen with the nation of Israel. I love this. Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 says this. Remember how the Lord, and He's talking to Israel here, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Could you imagine that? Forty years of pressure. Poor Moses. He was in the desert for 40 years. That's pressure. And then he had to lead a bunch of complaining people for 40 years. Like millions of complaining people. In a desert. Intense. Like, Moses is my man. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Moses, how did you do it? And I think I know what he's going to say. Stop trusting in yourself. And trust only in God. Here's what he said to He's telling them, remember all these 40 years you went through this. Humbling you. This is what happened. They, they lived in the wilderness and it humbled you and testing you to prove your character. Yes, you hum, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. He let them go hungry. That's a pretty powerful word from the Word of God. Letting you go hungry. In other words, they missed the meal so that they would be looking to God. And by the way, when that manna came, the word manna means what is it? They had no clue what it was. They had been eating in Egypt for years. They had lived in Egypt for for years on end. And now they're coming out there in the desert. We're going to starve. We're going to die. We're going to starve. We're going to die. And next day, manna comes Manna falls from heaven, and that, that's the very word means what is it. So what are you eating for dinner? I don't know. What is it? What is it? I guess what's for dinner again? What is it? What is it? It's the same. And they even got, they started to complain because they're like, oh, all we eat is manna. Sounds like me, doesn't it? It sounds just like me. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. Man, they had never seen this before. God said, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to give you some good nutrition. Wow, did I just say nutrition? He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone is why he did it. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Those times of pressure, those times of hunger, those times of famine, they're going to take us back to the bread of life. They're going to take us back to Him. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. You're talking about a nomadic group that walked everywhere. 
Their feet didn't swell. Man, I need to start eating manna. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. Thirdly today, trials help us to depend on God. That's what they're there for. They help us to depend on God. God wants us to depend like we're called to depend. And every time I go out and make an action of my own, it's never right. I've got to depend on him. I've got to ask him. And it's in those trials that you're more prone to depend on God. And in those trials, I'm in the most pain, I'm in the most screaming, and I'm the most tormented by it. But I'll tell you what, it's in that moment that I find God like I've never found him before. If you go over to 2 Chronicles 16:7, you'll see that there was a king of Judah. The, the, the nation of Israel had split. You had Israel and Judah. They were the north and the southern kingdoms. And the king of Judah had went out, and he was trying to defeat the other king. So he went out, and he made a deal with the king of Damascus. And so he goes over, and he makes this deal, and he says, Listen, I'm going to give you, uh, give you this gold and silver. So he takes the gold and silver, and he makes his own deal. And look what happens here. At the time, Hanai the seer came to Isaiah, king of Judah, and he said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God. What a sad verse. Because you, allow, you relied on your deal that you made with this king instead of the deal you made with God. Therefore, the army of the king of Ram has escaped out of your hand. Folks, I want to take you back to that today because God is transforming you and there's things that are happening in your life that you're saying, oh, I would rather just be a number two pencil. I'm quite all right with this. And God says, you don't have the option. I'm not in the business of making number two pencils. I'm in the diamond business. And all that pressure you're facing, I was with you. I've never left you. And I want you to produce endurance. And I want you to produce character. And I want to see this hope in your life. Because one day, we're going to be diamonds at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to be gleaming and shining Man, those diamonds shine. They catch the light. And that's what we are. We're reflecting the glory of God. If you go into the book of Psalms, you'll find there's a prayer for everything. You can have, there's a prayer whenever you're down, whenever you're up, whenever times are hard, whenever times are good. Psalm 34, 1 through 4 says this, and this is a great prayer. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord in the good times. I will bless the Lord in times of famine. I will bless the the Lord when my job is gone, when relationships are hurt. I will bless the Lord when everything looks like it's terrible as well as the good. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. You know what happens whenever I get into stress and pressure? My mouth doesn't cooperate too well with what I really believe. Like I believe that God is in control, but my mouth acts like I never knew God. 
It acts like he is far away. It acts like he's distant. So the psalmist here says, I will praise you at all times. His praise will be always on my mouth. Always. I will always bless the Lord. And so do you know why this is so important for us? Because not only do everybody else hear what you say, you hear what you say. And it's deadly when we're talking all this negative and worry and how bad it is. And the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble, the afflicted, will hear it and rejoice. You see, when I hear the praise that I sing to the Lord, I rejoice. And it, it, it kind of does this. I, whenever, I, whenever I speak the words of the Lord, whenever I quote His Scripture back, whenever I pray praise, when I continually praise Him, all of a sudden I do it more. And it works the opposite. Whenever I'm down and I'm not giving Him the praise... I tend to worry, and I tend to stress, and I tend to fret, and I do it more. So you have an option. I can spiral this way, or I can spiral that way. And the psalmist says, spiral towards God. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble, the afflicted will hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. When you come in here, that's what we're doing. We're exalting the name of God. Amen? Man, it is so good when I come in here to know that there are hundreds of other people that are exalting the same God. Man, all weekend long, I get to have the joy to be with you all. It is a joy. Why? Because we're exalting His name. But you know what else is a joy? It's a joy whenever I come in and I know that somebody else is struggling like I am. Because I've got a lot of pressure. And I've got a lot of things. And I come up and I talk to you and you share something with me. And hopefully I encourage you to know that I'm struggling too. And, and not just me to you, but all across this building. We see this. Oh, magnify the Lord. Now, verse 4 is so powerful. I sought the Lord, and He heard me. He answered me, and He delivered me from my fears. When you're under pressure, here's what I think. I'm not going to make it. I'll never be the same. And God says, His praise continually. Sought the Lord. He heard me. He answered me. He didn't deliver you from your problem. He delivered you from your fears. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to take you right to Christ. I want to encourage you to to trust Him. He died on a cross and He paid for your sin. He came back to life again for you. And man, if you've not yet trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you to open your heart to Jesus today and begin that journey. Trust Him. Transformation begins right there when we humble ourselves, realize the love of God, and invite Him into our life. That's, That's the big step. And so if, you, if that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to trust Christ right now, right here in this place. Just pray something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I come before you, and I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And you came back to life again. And God, I invite you into my heart and my soul right now. 
And for others in this room, maybe for you this morning, the invitation is to let praise be continually on your lips. Maybe for you the invitation is to be delivered from your fears. Like, man, there's worries, there's stress, there's things that are coming at you. In the meantime, God is transforming you. Maybe God has revealed to you today that He is truly in control. Maybe you need to do this, to not be afraid of your fears, but to know, not be afraid of the pressure, but to know that He's transforming you. God, I pray You'll be with each one of us as we come before You and we honor You, Lord. God, move in a mighty way that only You will get the glory this week, Lord. Transform us. Lord, I thank You that You told us that we are being transformed. God, I pray for in this room, Lord, I know there is insurmountable stress, pressure, overwhelming situations, Lord. But we are thankful today, Lord, to know that you are not absent. You're not absent, Lord. You're with us and you're moving and you're using all those things, Lord, that that are happening in life. All those things are working together for what you are doing. And while we don't understand your hand, we know that you are here We know that you'll never leave us. And we know, Lord, that you are developing us into the image and likeness of God. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we respond.